You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. I have six days worth of stuff to say today. So just imagine you're listening to a podcast and it's like 1.5 speed. And just sit in that for a few minutes. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I just want to read a, a bit of that again from Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. How does that hit you? How does that strike you? Where does your head go or where does your heart go when you hear that? Like, we will get into it, what, maybe what that means, what that doesn't mean, and kind of wrestle together a bit in that. Um, but... But is that, does that come off the page as a relief to you? Like, do you hear that and you think, <sighs> or, or is it, does it come off the page as something that you just assume? Like, yeah, well, that's, that's the way that it is. Or does it, does it come off the page, do you begin to build a case against why you, you don't do that? Or why you can't do that? Or why you shouldn't? do that? Or why you don't have to do that? Or do you begin to reject the notion altogether? Like, like you know something about how life works best that God doesn't know? It's funny, like if we take that even further, is your response to hearing this command about the Sabbath, is it similar to the command when you hear like, you, you shouldn't murder. And there is one God you should not have any other gods. And you should not have any idols. And you shouldn't commit adultery. And these other, uh, you know, words that we read in the Ten Commandments. Does your brain kind of respond the same way to those? Like, you shouldn't covet your neighbor's wife. Does it strike you the same way when you read, like, remember the Sabbath day and work six days And rest on the seventh. Does it strike you the same way? My assumption is that that your response is a bit different. And I want us to think about why that is. Right? Why are we quick to obey, don't murder, and don't steal, and and say, oh yeah, of course God would say those things. But, But then when we look at this one in the same context of all those other things... We kind of begin to couch it in a different way. When God tells us to trust Him through work and rest, that's when we want to revolt. In the Old Testament, there are roughly 613 laws of all sorts. And we're just going to spend the next few minutes reading all of those. We're not. I'm Whew, the people laughed before I laughed. That's good. They're like, He is not doing that. Uh, some of those laws we embrace and some we assume and some we laugh at because they're like, some of them are just kind of funny. 
And some of them are so practical, practical you can't even imagine. And some are like the foundation of like OSHA, like job site regulations, you know, like. And some we just reject. And we've talked about this, and I won't like burrow down, but, but there are types of laws in the Old Testament that are civil for the nation of Israel to live in such a way um, as lighthouses to the dark. Uh, nations around them that don't live under this God. And, and some are ceremonial, which establish the, the kind of rules and regulations of the, of the priesthood and the temple. As God's people, the Jews come together and they worship and they, they sacrifice animals and, and the shedding of blood covers their sin temporarily. And there's all kinds of stuff around that. And then some of them are, are the moral foundation, the moral fabric and, and, and the moral... Uh, Kind of the, the foundation of, of how we love and how we live justly as God's people. And God is inviting us into those, and, and those are often reiterated in the New Testament. And, and while Jesus didn't undo any law, he did fulfill many of those laws, and yet he continued to, uh, to satisfy them on our behalf. But, but many he invites us to continue to live in so, so the essence of, of the Ten Commandments, the reason why they're so influential today is because they reflect God's moral nature. They reflect the character of God. And so as we, in this series, uh, kind of jump into the second part of Exodus, uh, covenant community, we see that God has rescued His people. And now through the Ten Commandments, He is establishing what the relationship with Him and with His people looks like, and, and with one another. And so this that we look at today, this, this fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath, and invites us to, to live in a way that understands work and rest in a little bit different way. I, I want to read in, in Mark, well, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a highlight. In Mark chapter 2, so Jesus would come, you know, uh, quite a long time later after the Ten Commandments are established. And when Jesus came... He, he spoke to this, and, and there were some people, the Pharisees, and they were Jews that loved the technicality of the law, but they missed the heart of the law. And so there's this instance where Jesus is walking with his disciples in, in Mark 2, and, and uh, they, they pluck some heads of grain, and the Pharisees say, who are you, and why are you breaking the Sabbath? And Jesus reminds them, he says, but don't you remember your boy David? King David, who, who's like heralded as, as the great king in the Old Testament. Do you remember when David came in and he was hungry and his, and his uh, kind of troops were with him and he, and he, and he stole the, basically the equivalent of stealing communion <laughs> like on a weekday and he ate because he was hungry? Do you remember that? And do you remember he did that on the Sabbath? And then Jesus says this. He says... Uh, He says, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Like we get to embrace that. And if we get that, then man, when we hear that command to work hard and rest well, it will bring to our hearts a sigh of relief, not a, not a burden, not something that we kind of uh, trick ourselves to, to diminish. And, and so the, the big idea that we're looking at in this sermon, in this text today, is, is this the rhythm of work and rest is from God, and it is for good. The rhythm of work and rest is from God, 
and it's for good. It's not something to be neglected. It's not something to be feared. It's not something to be kind of technicality, uh, technicality to weigh, right? It's not something to be demanded, nor is it a heavy burden, but it is good and it is from God. Imagine with me for just a second a society that, that kept the Sabbath. <clears throat> Imagine the Sabbath is on a Saturday, which it was for a long, long time. When Jesus rose on Sunday, kind of all that shifted. And so uh, most people celebrate Sabbath as, as a Sunday, um, which is a little difficult because I'm working right now, right? Um, and so uh, neither here nor there. Imagine it's on Saturday and on Friday night, People leave work and people are getting things done. Just imagine the city is a buzz. And I know when I leave, when I leave the office or the wherever I'm working at throughout the week, every single day I'm like typing stuff. Like I, I've really got to go. Like I'm just working. And, and I know Matt's the same way. And Scott's we're, we work and we work and, until the last second. And it's like okay, we close it up and and go home and 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 we start work again in whatever that context looks like. And imagine that ramping up. Everything's going on. It, it's a, a Sabbath Eve and everything's frantic. It's the storm before the calm, right? And we're making sure that, that uh, because there are no stores open, we're making sure that, that food is, is prepared and, and the animals are fed and there's, there's uh, all the things that we have to take care of for the next day are, are being taken care of. Because when the day comes, there's no work being done. There's no striving it's like that uh, April 2020 quarantine calm that fell upon us, right? Every week, predictable, established, hard work to protect, and yet it is. Now the major difference, when I paint that out, is in Israel today, in most of the sectors of the city, I've not been there, but, but I've, I've read about that's what happens today. That's what they do. I read one Jewish man talking about his, his mother throughout the week, and she was a relatively frantic woman, but, but my Sabbath mom, she was someone different. Because on that day, and she laid aside striving, and she rested in the Lord and the provision that he had given. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, that, we, we don't live in Israel. What about work and what about all the things? And, and, I, and I get that, right? Life keeps spinning. And so kind of let's, let's tease this out. And before we start making op, uh, obstacles for us, let's just see what's here. And the first thing that we'll look at is this. Life is built on hard work. <clears throat> it's easy to hear this command and just kind of jump in and say, all right, Sabbath, what is rest or whatever. But, but that would be to miss the text itself and certainly to miss the intent of the text. We need to grasp work because it does say six days you shall labor and do all your work so that on the seventh it looks different. See, we already have a bit of an issue if we're, if we're working within technicality because I know some of you say, well, I, I work seven days a week occupationally. Well, okay, I'm, I'm super glad that you're here. And, and whatever that happens, I, I get that. And, and many have been there. And so, or, or you might say, well, I only work three days a week because I work three twelves 
or four tens or whatever, so uh, that I'm already out. Well, let, let us not do that, all right? Let's just, let's just see what this looks like. And, and some of you might say, well, I don't work at all, but yet you know that at home it's 24-7 nonstop work. And so all of those things, God is not unaware of your situation when, when, he, when he kind of builds this out as the fabric of his community, right? Life is filled with hard work. And maybe we can just sit there for a second. Like from the time you're this big and you're going to elementary school. But I, I would just encourage you as a parent, man, don't belittle the pressure that your kindergartner feels. Because they don't care about your house payment. And they don't care about whatever deadlines you have, but they have their own toil. And it's just as important to them as whatever you think is more important in your own life. So that little kindergartner comes in and there's social stuff and there's school stuff. And, and you move on and, and as elementary, uh, the, the, the social aspect and, and, and the academic aspect, those things. And then maybe you get a little older and you have sports and, and theater and dance and, and academics as a teenager. And then you have to start figuring out all of your life. And then maybe you, you graduate high school and, and maybe there's more school and you go to college and it's, it's heavy and it's weighty and you're figuring out all of the things and it's like it just never stops. Or maybe you go into the workforce and you get a job and, and you, are, you are slave to the man who seems to own you so that you might make a day's wage. And then as you maybe get older or you begin to buy things. Maybe you buy a home or a car, and then it's like, that's a great thing, but then you have to maintain that thing, and you're always fixing something, and you're always mowing something, and you're always repairing, and always cleaning. And like it, it's, really, it's really tough, and there are bills to pay, and, and taxes are due, and, and, all of, and, and your kids need braces, and what do you do, right? Just all the things of life, and it gets really, really difficult. Life is hard, and, and, and there's just so little of it that isn't fueled by or surrounded by or built upon hard work. And that's why vacations are like the highlight. That's why we show people pictures of vacations and not like just an average Tuesday. Because vacations are like this idea where we can just stop striving for a long weekend or for a week. And I know vacations are exhausting because you have to take the stuff down to the beach and carry all the things and you have to clean sand out of your car for the next seven months. Right? I... But here's the thing. Work is from the Lord. Work is from the Lord. It's easy to think that that's part of, our, of sin's work and, and the brokenness of creation, but before sin came... Adam has a job. He has a job before sin worked through him and before he rebelled and sent rebellion throughout all of creation and, and broke the relationship between him and God and him and his wife. Before all of those things, he worked and he delighted because he walked with the Lord. He had to guard and keep, to, to cultivate and protect God's creation. And that was good. I want to read a few passages, and today I'm reading more than probably I ever do, but Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. The CSB says slacker, all right? Maybe that's more helpful. 
Um, Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. That's the ant. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. That's what, that's what Solomon says about work. It's, it's godly wisdom and, and those who uh, misunderstand the value and the nature and the design of work. What about Paul in, in 1 Thessalonians? Clearly the Thessalonians had an issue with laziness because I'm going to read two quotes. The first one is from 1 Thessalonians 4. Now concerning brotherly love, and you might, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Easy, right? For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Hard work is an act of brotherly love. It's an act of loving your neighbor. And he's saying, look, as Christ's redeemed community, work hard and look, none of this is saying that you don't have difficult times. And it, it, it's, it's not diminishing the responsibility of the church to be the church and to, to meet one another's needs and to care for one another. But this is saying that you have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to work, to provide for you and your family. Because he writes another letter, and this is what he says in 2 Thessalonians. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ... That you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Idleness, laziness. For you yourselves know how, we ought, uh, how, how you ought to imitate us. Before, we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. He's got jokes. Now such persons we command, and, uh, we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So, so what of all that? Well, well, here's the thing. When you feel the weight of life and it feels like, like you, you press and you, you push and you pull and you work hard and it's almost as if you're being opposed by life itself, that's Okay. You're not alone in that striving. If you feel like the world 
expects you to work and do more and go and go and go. And, and the demand is to produce and produce and produce. That's okay. One, because we get to work hard. And two, because in our striving to do that, sin does have its way. And it is, and it is broken. Right? And, and in context... If you think about the labor that God's people were under Egypt before God rescued them, they were, they were slaves in Egypt, and it was more, more, and it was all about production and productivity. And God, Pharaoh, I'm going to rule in a different way. Like work is good, and we get to work hard, and, and we get to rest as well. They, like we, forsook that gift. Because work is woven into the fabric of humanity like, like anything else, we can swerve left and we can swerve right. And, and some will love work so much that it defines you. So you can't put it down. Because if you put it down, then you let someone down and then they will think something of you. And, and some will swerve the other way. Some will loathe work so much that it defines you. And, and the ant's work ethic would put you to shame. And both of those things are, are things that we get to be mindful of, and both require godly redemption to intervene and to free us. But work is from God. And, and the difficulty and the weight is, is sin's work to oppose, to oppose work as a gift and to name it a God. That's what we're drawn to do. And, and we see as a result of sin that man will sweat by the, by the brow to provide. And it will be hard work. And women, women will struggle with, with her desires and, and through the pain of, of childbearing. Before we consider rest, we get to embrace this idea of work. And maybe here's a, a loose definition that I will throw your way. Making provision by contributing to the good of society, using our gifts and skills to advance God's glory and humanity's good. Like when I think about my work as something like that, it feels a lot different than like that thing I have to do when I get up in the morning. Work, it's an opportunity to make provision and to contribute to the good of society by using the gifts and skills that God has given me to advance God's glory and humanity's good. Second thing that we get to see. Hard work is made sweeter with hard rest. There are certain things just better together. Like, like dynamic duo. And, and Rocky and Adrian. And peanut butter and jelly. And, and, and yum yum sauce. And literally anything. Like, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm like a barbecue guy. Like, I put it on everything. But yum yum, oh my, it is, you need to get your hands on some of that. It's so good. Um, so, so if work is part of the baseline of life, and I don't mean like the baseline, I mean like the baseline, right? If, if work is part of the baseline that kind of drives the rhythm of life, then rest is like Corey over here on a, on a guitar solo, or one of the vocalists on some unexpected sweet vocal run. 
That's what rest is. It, they, they work together, right? When I was in third grade, I had this music teacher, Mrs. Wodle. Mrs. Wodle, if, if you're out there somewhere, if you're watching this, if you're alive, I, I don't know, but hey, thanks for the illustration today, right? She would start every class, class off with a, a, a classic, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Hello, boys and girls. And we would say, hello, Mrs. Waddle. And then as she taught quarter notes and half notes and eighth notes and all those things, we would do ta's and tt's. Liz is like, yes, yes, I love this. I should have had you teach this part, Liz. So we would do ta, ta, tt, ta, right? And we would, and we're doing eighth notes, t, 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 ta. And my favorite was like the whole note, ta, ah, ah, ah. But, but what I really loved was the rest. Ta, ta, t, t, ta. Ta rest, ta ti ti ta. Imagine a song with no rest. Just endless chorus of chords and, and beats and vocals, consecutive with, with no space for it to breathe. If you talk to a musician, they're going if to, if, especially if you talk to a drummer, they're going to talk, they're going to say things like, I, you, no, you need to give it room to breathe. And what it means is it's just you need to give it rest. Or imagine an artist that, that just used all their paints in every painting. Just all of them together, all the time. Or, or a chef who just put all their ingredients and, and all their herbs in every single dish. No. Imagine a life that was filled with, with work, 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 with no pause to enjoy the fruit of whatever it is that you're working for. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And he goes on and he says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And on the seventh he rested. And to be clear, you know, we as a church preach through the attributes of God 20 weeks in the last uh, couple years. Um, and and when, we, when we get some handles on, on who God is, we begin to see that, that He doesn't need rest. But you do need rest. Just like Paul said, look, be imitators of us. We could have asked you for food but we didn't. Why? So that you would imitate the way that we live our life. And so God, he sets us, he sets us up, him not needing rest. He, he can do anything. And, and there's not like a day's labor that God could do that at the end of it, he would have even one sliver of an ounce of energy. Oh my, I just need to sit down for a minute. Yet he did this for us. The command is to remember the Sabbath. That's pretty significant. The command is not just to do the Sabbath or to keep it. The command is to remember the Sabbath. And if the Sabbath means to cease or to rest, or kind of my favorite working definition that helps my brain the most is, is to cease striving. Oh, man. Just saying those words... So, so it, if it's to remember it, then we can, we can just use some clues 
It's not being instituted here. It's being reinstated as a priority in the life of God's people. It means that there's been some kind of fabric, some baseline that's already been established for them to understand this. And he points back to Genesis 2, where God created everything in six days and on the seventh he rested. And then in Exodus 16, when God had pulled his people out of of, uh, slavery in Egypt, and he provided for them through manna, it was like uh, frosted flakes from the sky. And he said, eat this, eat, eat all that you want in any one day, but, but don't hoard any for the next day. Hoard is the word that I said there. Don't hoard any for the next day. Because if you do, it, it won't work out. It will go bad. So he said, six days you gather, one you rest. The Lord has given you Sabbath, therefore on the seventh day you will find two days worth of bread. So on the sixth day, he provided double the portion. And you know what that might have meant? That they do a little more work on the sixth day. Because they're preparing for the next day. That's that Sabbath Eve that I talked about in Israel. It's, It's the storm before the calm. So he provided for them. And, and yet, even then, what happened? Well, their laziness, not gathering double the portion on the sixth day, and their overworking, hoarding on the seventh day, led them to, to dishonor God and basically eat worms. <laughs> so it had already been established to that end, most of these commands, they, they aren't just out of the blue, but they're formalizing the terms of the relationship between God and his people. It's not like he says, don't murder. He says that, in the t- and they're like, oh, guys, we've got to change things because we've just been slaying each other. We already saw that it's not good when Cain killed Abel. That is not a good thing, and God already set that up. Now he's literally putting it in writing so that they might see the terms of uh, their relationship. So remember the Sabbath. It, it extends beyond just thought, though. It's, it's beyond thought, and it extends to action. Remember it so that you might keep it holy. Well, what does it mean to keep something holy? Well, it it means that that it's separated from and it's dedicated to. And it's pulled from the world in which they live for God to glorify Him through honorable use. So, so when the call is to live a holy life, be holy for I am holy. Right? The Bible talks about that nearly infinitely in the scriptures. It's, it's you're called from something for use for God's glory. And so, the, so work six days, rest on the seventh, be pulled from the world in which you live and be set aside for me to live in a way that honors and glorifies my name. So, so the rhythms of, of Sabbath creation, he modeled it for us and, and, and not out of need for himself, but, but out of need for us. So before sin entered, God established a day of rest from the gift of work. And certainly now that sin has entered, we need it more than ever. So what, is it, what does it look like? And we'll talk about this at the very end, but what does hard rest 
look like? What is it actually calling us to do? Well, in this text, he says, uh, don't do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your livestock or, or the sojourner who is within your gates. I heard somebody recently talking about um, they felt bad having their like Roomba, you know, like clean their floor on the, on the Sabbath because like that little robot's like working. <laughs> but we don't have to technicality this. We just get to get at what's going on here. And so I'm going to throw a slide up here. I encourage you to take a photo if you have a camera with you. All right? It's very small. I understand. I hope you have like some high res stuff. Look, this is just like a, a buckshot of, 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 a few, of a handful of passages. Uh, this is what's re- remain each of you in his place. Six days work, but on the seventh rest. In plowing or in harvest, you shall rest. Okay. It's like provision. We can see some grocery analogy. We can see some agricultural analogy. Kindle no fire in your house. Mm, don't know what to do with that one. Uh, there's a guy, this is a paraphrase, it doesn't actually say guy gathering sticks on the Sabbath, but there's a guy gathering sticks on the Sabbath, and you know what? God commands that he's put to death. Okay? Don't sell grain or wheat, all right? So no carbs on the Sabbath. (laughs) Treading wine press and bringing heaps of grain, loading them on semi-trucks, well, it says donkeys, on the Sabbath. You are bringing wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Do not bear a burden on the Sabbath or bring it in by the gates. Six days you shall do work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest. See, I love that because this is about all of creation flourishing. And the son of your servant woman and the alien, I don't think that has Martian, more like sojourner, um, may be refreshed, although it probably applies to Martians as well. See, it, it isn't a stretch to, to get here that, that we are not slave to the Sabbath, but it exists to serve us. So let it serve us. See, I hope by this point you're still confused, like, but how? But I want to. And look, you're probably going to leave and 30 minutes, and you're probably still going to be saying the same thing. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about us? What does this tell us about a need for a Savior? All right, those are three questions that when you read the about God, what does this tell us about us? What does this tell us about our need for a Savior? Well, it, it tells us that God is mindful and that He cares. It tells us that He is the best king that the world has ever known. It tells us that that we need him and we need rest. It it tells us that, that we get to live in a way that redeems rest in a demanding world. And look, I know you probably lean towards over or under as it relates to work And God invites us to submit to Him in a way that lets the two work and rest, that lets them dance. And it seems as if hard work, partner, hard rest. Look, Sabbath is not justification for your laziness. If you're looking for, if you're reading the Bible looking for loopholes, stop. And secondly, if you read this and you think, yeah, 
this is my way out. Apart from God's glory, you think this gives you... No. That's not what this is. And hard work isn't justification for your work idol to please God or to please man so that you might find your value in the work of your hands. Don't bear burden and don't be a burden. What a gift. The last thing is, is this. Hard rest is hard work. If this is commanded and commissioned by God, and, and if Jesus affirms the Sabbath as good and for us and himself as Lord of the Sabbath, then to not go hard to create time and space to cease striving is to not trust God. Look, I'm just drawing conclusions, just like, like you would get to do when you open the book and you read what God says about it. And look, I, I promise you're not going to get a, a list of rules for me today to go live this out through technicality. You, you're not. But, but there are some lies that we believe. And, and it might sound something like this. I, I don't have time. And I would say, one, you're right. <laughs> time is not in your hands. You are right. Maybe a better way to say that would, would be you don't prioritize your time. To, to pause productivity, to, to lay down striving for, for a significant period of time in any rhythm. Maybe you might say something like this, there, there's just too much to do. Or maybe you say something like, man, I'm... This doesn't sound good to me. I'm not the type of person who can just sit around, right? And I would say, understanding you, I, I struggle to sit around. But, but another way of saying that would be, I'm not the type of person um, that, that, that lives my life to be obedient to the Lord. Dang, that sounds worse to me. Um. Maybe you would say, but the world just keeps spinning. And that's, that's a great ideal, but that's not the reality that I get to live in. And I, and I understand that. Just as Israel was called to live in a world that's not like them. It's not like, look, to look at the ancients as if you have something that they don't. And, well, yeah, it was pretty easy for them because they just got to sit around. No, no they, didn't, they didn't get to sit around. They couldn't have groceries delivered to their house. But theirs was survival. And ours is, is comfort. But look, I'm not minimizing us. It's hard. Life is hard. It was hard for them. So let's not think that we have some, some uh, disadvantage that they didn't have. If anything, it's the other way around. But when you, when you hear those things, and look, I say these things. I'm sitting with you in this. I, I say all these things. I don't have this figured out. But, but it would be like read or, or the implication of my words saying I don't have time or there's too much to do. Um, maybe I can say it in a different way. My schedule's too important for God to intervene or impact it. See, that feels different when I say it that way. Time is better than the way that God has designed for humanity to use its time. See, that, that doesn't make me feel as good, 
But I think it's saying the same thing. And look, I, I get this. If, if I don't X or Y or Z seven days a week, then my family won't have or, or I won't have enough or I'll never graduate and be able to live a life that's whatever or, or, or I, I get all of those things and those are fair. And to you, I say this, I am, I am sorry that you are in a season of your life that feels overwhelming. All right. God is not ignorant of your situation. There are many people in this room who would love to sit by you and help bear burden and walk with you in this because it is hard. I'm not minimizing any of that. And my encouragement would, would be to just breathe, even just for the next 15 minutes. Just breathe and know that you have a God that cares for you in that battle. Look, I'm going to talk a little longer than normal today. So give me 10 more minutes. How do we find rest in a world built upon hard work and, and, and a crippling burden that, that just surviving is hard enough? How do we do that? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. But, but first, we have to get it right in our heart. No law can offer you true rest or the fullness of life. No law can do that. In fact, the Bible says if there were a law that could give you salvation, and salvation would be by the law. There's no law that can do that. It can't give you rest. So if you're not walking with God at the center of your life, trusting Him in toil and in rest, then, then this is a fantasy. This is a dream world. Now and forever. Work will never return the emotion that you give it. And no, no matter how much you store up to live the good life in the end of your days, it, it, will, it, will, it will fail to deliver the rest that we get in Christ our Lord. Work will never return the emotion that you give it, and, and rest will be a vapor, a, a pipe dream. But, but Jesus, he says, he says, follow me into the fullness of life. Ring out your, your, your hearts of selfishness and live through Christ's selflessness. And that, that's true for many things, and that's true for the Sabbath. The law won't do. We have to be made new from the inside out. All of the Old Testament was God showing man how to live with him, and man's attempt his man's, man's failed attempt to earn God by keeping the law. But, but just as God rested at the end of creation, Jesus came. And as he reestablished God's creation, and as he brought a, a bottom to the despair of brokenness, he established the kingdom. We read in Hebrews, this is what Jesus did. In Hebrews 10, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. That means that Jesus is the end of striving 
to please God. And Jesus is the end of striving, striving to please neighbor. That frees us to glorify God with hard work, and it frees us to, to strive to rest well because it is good, it is obedient, it's an act of trust, and it cuts against the culture that praises work as God. That's the heart that we get. And, and the second thing is, is we get to get it right in our rhythms. Well, what do I do? So what? I get all of this, Michael. So what do I do? Well, this is my encouragement. Pursue regular rhythms of hard work and consistent rest. And I know you have a million questions. What does that Carve out time where you cease striving and remember that God is enough. See, Sabbath is not merely a law to be obeyed, but it's a life to be received. So we get to repent and believe. We get to acknowledge how we have failed to trust God in this. And then we get to create regular practice of remembering that God is God and He wants us to enjoy Him. I've said this a million times over the years. One of the best tools of advice that's ever been given to me in my personality and who I am is when my wife says, Michael, can you, she might say, um, can you just calm the flip down for a second? And eventually in the conversation, she would say, can we just be? See, because, because the heart of worship is not doing the heart of worship is being, being God's people. And if you sit in that, then you will find rest. Even in your toil, even in your striving, the band can come on up. The reason why rest is, is so difficult is because we associate work as the thing that pleases God. But, but, but we have to understand that from the beginning, the rhythm of rest is just as much an act of worship as hard work. So, so what do I do? I, I, I don't know what you do on your day where you get to implement some of this. You, you worship through being rather than doing and, and do something that gives you life. Do something that isn't striving. Do something, uh, read or, or run or pray or, or, or enjoy something. Shoot something. Express yourself. Do something different from your normal that breathes life into you rather than draws life out of you. Man, don't treat this like a law. Nope, can't do that. Um, is this too much or is this too... Don't do that. But understand where this comes from. Treat it like the gift that it is and, and all the while give thanks to our God who loves us and rest is from God and for good. We get to respond and sit, stand, sing, pray. There will be some people by these red trees. You can pray over there by, uh, on that prayer bench by yourself. We can respond for those who are in Christ by taking communion and we get to remember and declare the body that was broken for us, Christ's blood that was spilled for us. Pray with me. God, thanks for your gifts to us, namely us to be yours, not because of anything that we do, not because of our hard work, not because of our hard rest, 
but you invite us into those things as gifts to love our neighbors, to love you. Would you let us work hard in the things that you have given us, provide for ourselves and our our families and others, be good neighbors. Would you let us rest well, knowing that you alone are God and we are not. In Christ's name, amen.